God of love and peace be with you all. Amen. Our text is our lesson from Acts chapter 10. Dear friends in Christ, occasionally we're able to observe a baptism, whether it be a baby or an adult, and we hear the words, your sins are forgiven. We have learned from the Bible that that baptism does wash away sins. Luther points out, what does baptism do for us? Baptism works forgiveness of sin, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe, as the words and promises of God declare. And what is God's promise? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How can water do such great things? It is certainly not the water that does such things, but God's word which is in and with the water, and faith which trusts this word used with the water. For without God's word, the water is just plain water, not baptism. But with this word, it is baptism, that is, a gracious water of life and a washing of rebirth by the Holy Spirit. God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Through baptism, we have the assurance that our sins are truly washed away and that we have the forgiveness of sins. And so the question is, why was Jesus baptized? Isn't baptism for sinners? Wasn't Jesus perfect without sin? It's a question that people may ask. And as we look at what took place, we find out that, that Jesus, he did have to become a perfect substitute for us, and he had to go through all the laws and rules that God had gave to the people. And also, God laid on him the sin of all the world. As John the Baptist had pointed out, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. While Jesus wasn't a sinner himself, he carried all of our sins and our pain and sorrow on the cross. But we also see that his baptism was different. When he came up out of the water, we have the booming voice of the Father from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love. We have the Holy Spirit descending on him in the form of a dove. He was there being shown to the people that he would be carrying out the work of the Messiah, the anointed one. And that's what his baptism was. It was an anointing for his position as prophet, priest, and king. The voice indicated that he was set apart for that specific purpose of saving people from their <coughs> sins. St. Paul would later write, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus' baptism announced his work. And then he set out on his earthly ministry to keep the law perfectly in our place so that all sins would be forgiven. He went around preaching and teaching the word of God. Before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Those who believe will receive that blessing of heaven that Jesus won. Those who do not will only get an eternity in hell. And to keep that from happening, 
Jesus got out there and shared the word. He wanted the Holy Spirit to work people, faith in people's hearts. And he uses the word to do so. That was the mission that Jesus then sent his disciples out to do as well. And so in today's text, Peter is schooled in his mission by God. Like many in his day, Peter thought that, well, the chosen people are the Jewish people. And therefore, they are the ones who are truly blessed to know Jesus as a Savior. Peter still had the idea that the Jews, that they were set apart from everyone else. As a matter of fact, earlier in the chapter, it states, Peter said to them, you understand how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to associate with or visit anyone who is not a Jew. But God showed me that I should no longer continue to call anyone impure or unclean. Yes, God did choose the people of Israel, the Jewish people, to carry on that promise from the time of Adam all the way through its fulfillment in Jesus. But now they were no longer the chosen in the sense of a physical sense, but rather that others would also be chosen, chosen to be believers. Because Jesus even said, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And so we are chosen through the work of the Holy Spirit, coming to faith and believing in Jesus as our Savior. The Jews could no longer consider themselves without considering the full impact of Jesus' work to save all people. And that's what we hear in our text. Peter began to speak. Now I really am beginning to understand that God does not show favoritism, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent his word to the people of Israel, proclaiming a good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter had been shown a vision, clean and unclean animals. And God told him he was supposed to eat the unclean animals. And he said, I can't, they're unclean. And God says, no, I'll tell you what's clean and unclean. And if I tell you you should eat the unclean animals, you eat the unclean animals. He was basically getting Peter ready so that a man, a centurion named Cornelius, would come and want to know more about Jesus. And centurion, the Cornelius, because he was a non-Jew, Supposedly, the Jews would not associate with him. But now God in that vision was telling him, you go to him, you talk to him, and you share the wonderful news about Jesus with him. And that's when Peter, the light started going on his head. He says, now I'm getting to understand. Now I'm getting it. Jesus and his resurrection and ascension and, and everything that Peter had witnessed throughout Jesus' ministry was something to be shared with everybody because everyone needs Jesus. Do you get that now? Think about it. Deep down, I think that we all understand that yes, everyone needs Jesus, but how does that play out in our lives? Do we look at others and say, that's a person that needs Jesus? Is that a person that needs Jesus? Do your words and thoughts and actions show that you truly understand that? Or do you kind of ignore people because they're not like you? That there are people out there that, oh, they'll just never become a believer, so I'm just going to forget about it. Think about your family members, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. Do they know that, that you truly do believe in Jesus as your Savior? 
Or is he camouflaged behind sinful actions and, and vulgar language, thoughts of hatred and revenge and sex, sexual innuendo? When we think about when you, somebody wrongs you, how do you handle that? Do you kind of wish that they weren't around anymore? Listen to what Luther states. We should fear and love God that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily need. And again, in the Eighth Commandment, we should fear and love God that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, or give him a bad name, but defend him, speak well of him, take his words and actions in the kindest possible way. A lot of this stuff is hard to do. It's difficult because the sinful nature seems to think that, well, I've got my Savior. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. And then you kind of think about those sinners out there that are worse than you. Terrorists chopping off the heads of Christians. Abortionists nonchalantly dismembering the frightening fetus in the womb. Atheists defying God's word with billboards that mock unbeliever, or mocking the believers. Aren't they the worst? But then, are we really different from them? As St. James wrote in his lessons, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles at one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. Just as you need to be forgiven of your sins, so do all the other evildoers, because everyone needs Jesus. And how are they going to know about that unless someone tells them? They need our prayers and our help more than ever. And Peter realized that. He realized that those non-Jews like Cornelius, they were people that, that God came and shared Jesus with them. That God doesn't show favoritism toward the Old Testament people. Jesus is a savior of all people. No matter who they are, where they live, what their status is in life. And God wants that truth shared with all the nations. And so you get it now? Jesus wants everyone. Listen to Peter as he continues. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with them. The miracles that Jesus did, that got people's attention. It wasn't the miracles that saved people, but it was their paying attention to Jesus and he could share his message, telling them that I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior. I came to save you from your sins. And while the devil was working his magic to turn people away from God, Jesus was showing his power and his wisdom that far surpassed that of the devil. And besides those miracles of healing and exercising demons and feeding huge crowds, Jesus was able to read the minds of people and, and knew what they were thinking and how some were so skeptical and unbelieving. He knew what was in their hearts, and he wanted them to change. He wanted them to see that he truly is the Savior. And we know that while there's no amount of miracles that could change the hearts that are hardened by unbelief, that didn't stop Jesus from still reaching out to people. He continued to speak to all. You think about the religious leaders that just grew to hate him, and yet he still wanted to save them. At one time he stated, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. 
How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus never stopped preaching and teaching and reaching out to the ungodly with the hopes that they would change their hearts and truly believe him. And that's why St. Tim, or St. Paul wrote to Timothy, this is good and pleases God, our Heavenly Father, who wants all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth seemed to elude the right religious leaders of the day. They were blinded by their own thoughts of what they had in mind as what God should be to them. But Jesus still wanted them to turn and become believers and have faith. He wanted them to come to him. And as you can see, the relentless pursuit that Jesus displayed, you get it now. Jesus wants everyone. And that's something we have to keep in mind, too, as we are living out in the world. And it's one thing to live as a Christian. After all, there's a lot of people that are good people out there. Good citizens, philanthropists, kind and generous people, helpful and do-gooders. But then they mistakenly think that that's going to please God and that's going to get them into heaven. But you and I know differently. We know that the good that we do is a result of our faith. But it's faith that saves. And so we should not only do good, but we should also share why we do good. St. Peter wrote, But regard the Lord, the Christ, as holy in your hearts, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. But speak with gentleness and respect while maintaining a clear conscience so that those who attack your good way of life in Christ may be put to shame because they slandered you as evildoers. We're to set the world straight. We're to let them know what Jesus is all about. And while in many religions works are something that's adamant as though you better do this if you want to please your gods, and they look at God as a stern judge who expects favors and actions, we realize that, no, God's already shown his love to us through Jesus Christ. He's already saved us from our sins. And so we will do good, and we will tell people that Jesus is the reason that we have our faith. You think about it, any time during Jesus' life, he could have decided that, yeah, it's not all worth it when he was being mocked by the Jewish leaders, he could have just walked away and says, I've had enough, I'm going back to heaven. When he was on trial and the soldiers were mocking him and, and blindfolding him, they were asking him, who struck me or who struck you? You know, he could have just broken his chains and whipped that mask off or that blindfold off and pointed at each one and says, this is what you said, you said, you said. While he was hanging on the cross, People at the foot of the cross mocked him and says, Oh, if you're, if you're God, why don't you just hop on off that cross? He could have. He could have jumped right down and got in their face and put them down on their knees. But he didn't. Because he wants everyone to be saved and join them in heaven. So he endured everything that the devil and the world could throw against him. And he came out victorious. He saved us from our sins. He made it possible so that more and more people will be in heaven. So you get it? We need to get that word out. Because Jesus wants all of us. Of course, that means that we're going to have to tell people what we believe. 
That's what God uses, the word, to bring people to faith. And you may stick out from the crowd because you are a little bit different from the worldly way of thinking. People may wonder why you don't join in the sinful pleasures that are so prevalent in the world today. And you may be put down for that. But that's okay. God never promised a rose garden. Jesus told his disciples that they would be persecuted for their faith, so why should we be any different? But you know, we have something great to look forward to. We have eternal life to look forward to. Because Jesus, when he came to this earth, he understood what he had to do. And he received that same motivation and that same encouragement that we receive from the word. He heard it directly from God himself at his baptism. And then we hear about St. Peter in our lesson, and yes, he truly learned a lesson, because now he saw Cornelius, that non-Jew, as a child of God, needing and getting the nurturing for his faith. What can we do? Who can we reach out to? Maybe you ought to pray a bold prayer. Ask God, give me the courage to tell someone about Jesus. And then wait and see the door of opportunity open. And don't be surprised when God does so. And then you're there to say, hey, Jesus is my Savior. This is what Jesus means to me. I know I'm saved. God doesn't show favoritism. He wants everyone to have a chance. And so someone might come into your life that needs that chance. No one is beyond saving. Everyone has been forgiven of their sins. They just need to know it and to receive Jesus as their Savior. And you know, it's the power of Jesus that does, can and does change hearts. So may your heart be warmed when you see Jesus working through you. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ.